God is with us always to the very ends of the earth. That is a powerful promise, especially as we go through our world today. Welcome to College Dell Community Church. We are so glad that you are here with us. I won't take the time, but there's lots of good announcements in the bulletin, so make sure you grab one of those. I will mention uh, two things. If you're visiting with us, uh, feel free to stay by for the potluck today or if you brought food for that. And also next Sabbath is our 20th anniversary. So be sure to be here for that in the morning. And then there'll be a, a, a concert in the evening as well. So you'll want to put that on your schedule now. Um, in, in the pew rack in front of you, there's a connect card. You can pull that out, fill it out. If you have any questions, prayer requests, we pray for those each week. If you are visiting uh, for the first time, bring one of those by the, uh, the information desk and we have a free gift for you. And our tithes and offerings are in the baskets uh, by the door anytime or as you leave. I just wanna read from Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be moved and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And then verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Let's take a moment and be still. And if you're able, please kneel with me in prayer at this time. Dear God, we pause before you, and we're just gonna take a moment and be still. God, thank you for being present with us. Thank you for being a, a, a refuge of hope. As we go through a week, we recognize there is turmoil in the world around us. And Lord, sometimes some of us may be going through turmoil uh, even as we speak through uh, just different challenges in life. And Lord, I've heard prayer requests today from those who have uh, loved ones who are sick and suffering. And we know that there's a, a COVID that is uh, raging through our community. And Lord, we just wanna pray for healing in those circumstances. Pray for wisdom, pray for peace and love. And Lord, I've heard stories of miracles that have taken place, of healings that took place just this week. We thank you for being active in our lives. And Lord, as we continue in this worship service today, be with us, draw our hearts to you through the music, through the words that we sing, through the message that Pastor Jerry preaches. May we know you better. In your name we pray, amen. I wanna invite up Pastor Nate. And uh, he's got a special guest, well, not a guest anymore, but uh, someone to introduce us to. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> I'm here today to introduce you, if you haven't met already, Caleb Pitts. Um, we're here today because Caleb made the decision some time ago, really a few years ago, that you wanted to be baptized. And it's been this journey that you've been on. We've done lots of studies together. You've studied with some other people as well, have been working towards this goal, this goal and just last Sabbath, have the good news to share that Caleb was baptized. If you guys want to give him a round of applause. Really neat thing. (laughs) 
Caleb, uh, your baptism was outside at the student park near Southern. And for those who weren't there, we'll just share, um, as you were being baptized, there was a lot of thunder, thundering going on. And I think the verdict's still out. We're not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're pretty excited for you. So it's been neat working with Caleb. Um, he's taken a study really seriously. Not only has he done numerous studies with, with different um, um, teachers. He's also completed the Arise Bible training um, curriculum, which is, I think, like hundreds of hours, isn't it? If not, it's really long. I know that. But has really enjoyed learning a lot. So, Kaylin, we're really proud of you. I know your parents, Sean and Lindsay, are over here, along with your siblings, Brenner and Ellie. And there's many other friends that are proud of you for making this decision to, uh, to accept Jesus as your Savior. Hey, in addition to that, the reason, Caleb, you're up here today is that Caleb wants to join our church family here at College Dale Community Church, which is something that we're excited about as well. He'd like to become a member of this. And so I'll simply ask this. All those in favor of Caleb becoming a member here, could you just give a round of applause? And I'll just have a quick word of prayer here asking God's blessing on you, Caleb. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we just want to ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on Caleb, Lord. He's given his heart to you, his life to you. Lord, I know he has so many talents. And we want to ask, Lord, that as your Spirit floods his heart, that he's able to impact this world in just the ways that you've designed for him, Lord. But most of all, what we pray, Lord, is that he can um, live in the awareness of your love, acceptance, and delight in him. So we ask a special blessing on him in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Caleb. morning, happy Sabbath. <clears throat> so happy Caleb is a member now. We are growing our ginger brothers in Christ numbers. <laughs> there are too few of us. And all of my gingerness is trying to leave me. All right, so it's just me and you. So I need your help. Please sing this morning.
reasons for my heart to find. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I'll worship Your hoping that we don't ever get back to a point where we have to ask the congregation to not sing anymore. We had to do that for a while, which really bummed me out. <clears throat> but uh, since we can for now, let's go ahead and take advantage of that. I love you,
Good morning. <laughs> it's really uh, fun to do this song for a couple of reasons. So I just want to share, I didn't say this at first service, but about 22 years ago, a couple of my college friends and I sang this as we were students at Southern Adventist University. And so it was really great to be able to teach this song to my daughter. And it's a song that speaks to my heart. There are many places in the Bible where it mentions the refiner's fire and God is the refiner. He, um, if we give our hearts over to him, he promises to make us more loving. So that is my prayer today that we will hand it over to the master worker, the refiner of our hearts. I come into this place burning to receive your peace. I come with my own chains from wars I fought for my own selfish gain. You're my
Thank you for that beautiful music. Really appreciated that. <clears throat> it seems my mic is a little too lively right now, Michael. Sorry. I may want to be excited about this sermon at some point, and I don't want to hurt people's ears. Welcome today. It's nice to see you here. And um, we recognize that your presence is a blessing. As our, our world careens on in its craziness, we ought not to take these things for granted. The chance to get together, worship God, support and encourage each other on our journey is extremely important, especially as the day approaches. And that day, I believe, is approaching. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're about to open your word. We believe your word is holy. We are not. We know that you must be the one to teach us, or we're not going to get anything out of this, so we're asking for that. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. We lay our opinions at your feet, and we ask that you will direct our thoughts, that you will give us the proper impression of your word, and that you will apply this to our lives in a way that will be life-changing for each one of us. We pray for miracles to take place. We pray that people will be changed for eternity because of what you do today. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> My son Joshua got a phone call. It was a woman that he knew. And this lady described that she had chickens. But one of the chickens was very, very ill or injured. The head of the chicken would hardly raise. It would not move. It barely had a heartbeat. And this chicken was uh, a number of chickens uh, that were pets of the family. And so this woman asked Joshua if he would be willing to mercifully put the chicken down for the family. Joshua said he would, and so this lady drove over to Joshua's place. Now, before she got there, he took his excavator. He was trying to think of the most dignified way to do this because the chicken was a family pet. He took the excavator, he made a hole about two feet deep, two feet around. His plan was to put the chicken in the hole shoot it, and then bury it, and that would be the end. And so when the woman arrived with the chicken, it was a pitiful sight. It could not hold its head up. It was just limp, barely, barely alive. So Joshua took the chicken, set it down in the, the hole, stepped out, took the 410 single-shot shotgun that he was going to use, opened it up, put the shotgun shell in it, closed it, and when he pulled the hammer back, it clicked. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. 
in Matthew chapter 5. We'll be reading verse 9 today. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers. We're going to define a peacemaker as we study the word today. And we're going to begin by describing what a peacemaker is not. Simply, it would be a troublemaker. And we can go to history to find a number of people who would qualify for that. Adolf Hitler was elected Chancellor of Germany in 1933 with only 37% of the vote. But he moved swiftly against his rivals and anyone that was against him. And within six months, he was the total dictator of Germany. The Nazi party would rule in Germany only for 12 years, being destroyed in 1945. In 1939, Hitler started a war. It ultimately became World War II. 75 million people died in World War II. The vast majority of them were civilians, casualties of war. None of us would look to Adolf Hitler and say he was a peacemaker. He was anything but a peacemaker. So when we think of a peacemaker and we look in history for that individual, we're not talking about a peaceful person. We're talking about a person that makes peace. That's not an easy job. It's not a job that is without a mess sometimes. It's not just that easygoing person that diffuses a situation. A peacemaker, by definition, is a person who makes peace. They settle disagreements, quarrels. They're involved in reconciliation, trying to reconcile people so that people will be friendly again. They work at changing attitudes and bringing harmony to relationships. So when you think in history of a person who would qualify for that description, whom do you think of? I think of Jesus. I know of no one that qualifies as a peacemaker as much as Jesus. The term peacemaker is used here, but it's not used often in the scriptures. But the word reconciliation is. And as we look at and study Jesus' peacemaking through reconciliation, I believe it will open our eyes as to whom he was, what he did, and how those who enter into relationship with him become like him. Let's turn first to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I will read verse 8 through 11, and then we'll double back and look at them. In Romans 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Well, let's look at verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Earlier in the chapter, the Apostle Paul says, We were without strength, but in due time, Christ died for us. So we were without strength, and he died for us. We were sinners, and he died for us. We were helplessly and hopelessly lost and out of relationship with God the Father. And Jesus' ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. It is a settling of disagreements, if you will. It is a person who makes peace. It is a person who works at changing attitudes so opposing parties can be friendly again. These attitudes are deep within us in our attitude towards God. You see, we are told if we're around church at all, we are told that God loves us. If you attend some churches, you may have a childhood where you may hear God loves you, but it may come across more as he's angry as hell over you, and uh, your destination is very questionable. So we have these conflicting pictures of God even. And then as we grow up and we, we look around and we see the news, you look at the news and tell me that that's evidence that God loves you, that God loves humanity, that God even cares about humanity. And it can raise all kinds of questions so as sinners born away from fellowship with God, as children we hear God is love and we sing songs and, and we romanticize the ark and different things like that. And, and we realize if you've taught children for very long the scriptures, there's not a whole lot of stories you want them to know pretty rough. A lot of things have to be sanitized. And so we have this conflict within us. Is there a God? Is he worth my worship? And God, I can't speak for him directly, but I know that he has an issue with us. The scriptures are clear. We are sinners and cannot be in his presence. So something has to happen to change us and our situation before a holy God who will not 
tolerate sin in his presence. Jesus comes on the scene, and we read in verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You can look at the news and question. You can look at your life and question. You can look at your family and question. Does God really love us? The Bible says the evidence that God loves you is the reconciliation he wrought through Jesus Christ when Jesus died on the cross for us. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made the first move. God took the first step, and God built the bridge between the broken relationship. We go on in verse 9, it says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. God does have wrath. It's his just punishment against evil. And let me tell you something, folks. The Bible is clear. You do not want to fall into the hands of an angry God. But the only way you will will be if you reject salvation in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And so anyone who falls into the hands of an angry God, that will be your choice. That's your choice. You have chosen not to have Jesus as your Savior. And so it becomes an act of rebellion, and you will be judged accordingly. We go on. And it says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we're reconciled by Jesus' death. And you may be thinking, you know, I don't understand that. I don't either. You know, theologians argue about this. They have and they will until Jesus returns. Is it a forensic justification, which means it's a legal thing? Is it a moral justification, which means it's an example and we learn from it? What is it? Why is it so difficult to understand? Well, <clears throat> how many of you plan on eating lunch today? Are you? Why? Well, one reason, you're hungry, right? And if you have any degree of understanding of nutrition and food and things like this, at some point in this meal, you will seek to eat something that you know is nutritious. The broccoli, the cookies. You'll eat the cookies, gladly. The broccoli, enough cheese, you know. But you know, there are certain things you need to eat at that meal today because they're good for your body. 
Other things just taste good. How do you know it's good for your body? Well, you've been told it's good for your body. Now, some of you may be scientists, and you know why. You know the cellular interaction that takes place as this stuff comes into your body, and it breaks down, and it becomes energy for your body. You may understand all that. I don't. I just eat. And my body benefits from me eating, even though I have no concept of how it's happening. I believe, as C.S. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity, you don't have to understand the atonement in order to benefit from it. So don't worry about understanding it. Just believe it. God says it's adequate. Believe him. Take him at his word. And so here we're told, reconciled by the death of his son, but much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now that phrase literally could be translated in his life. It is describing a personal union with Jesus, a relationship, a growing relationship. Now, how many of you are married? Let me see your hands. Don't answer this question. How many of you are happily married? Keep this. We assume everybody. Now, if a person gets married in 1980 and they stay married to that person till 2021, are they more married at 2021 than they were in 1980? The answer to that is no. You either is or you ain't. <laughs> Legally, you're either married or you're not. The judge won't ask you if you're happy. He just wants to know if you're married because it has legal ramifications. So somebody who marries in 1980 is no more married in 2021 than they were in 1980. But let me ask you something. Do you think it's possible that relationship has changed over 40 years? Absolutely. And hopefully closer, more meaningful, more engaged and more in love, but still married the same amount. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're saved. You can't get any more saved than that. And so if I begin with Jesus in 1975, and I walk with him till 2021, I am no more saved any step along the way than I was when I first asked him into my heart. Is the relationship the same? Absolutely not. I've learned 
as you have in your life, to trust him more. The reason I'm bringing this up is in this ministry of reconciliation where God demonstrates his love to us, in our particular community of believers, <clears throat> talking about our faith community, not this particular building, but we've all come here from somewhere, it is very hard for some people to embrace that simple concept. They get they need Jesus as their savior, but then as it says in the book of Galatians, they seek to perfect themselves by their own strength. As if somehow they must prove to God that they are indeed saved by Jesus. I remind you of the experience of Jesus at his baptism. Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was just about six weeks later, Jesus having not eaten anything during that six week time is in the wilderness and the very first temptation the devil brings to him is, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. In other words, prove it. Prove that you are the son of God. It is unbiblical to think we have to prove to God, to ourselves or to anyone else that we're a Christian. And we don't have to live in fear that somehow we're going to come to the end of life and, oh, I missed it. I should have been a vegan. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You're either saved or you're not. And you can't get any more saved than when you first embraced Jesus as your Savior. You grow in your knowledge. You grow, you become victorious, and just as a healthy marriage is, that marriage will grow. And we go to verse 11, it says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Do you realize what that is saying? That is so counter to what many of us have been taught and experienced with God because of Jesus being our Savior, because of the reconciliation he gives us. <clears throat> we rejoice in God. It means we are no longer driven by fear, but motivated by love and appreciation for a God who built a bridge from himself to us and gave us eternal life. Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll read verses 18 through 21. Keep track of how many times the word reconciled or reconciliation is used. 
Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Five times, five times, if my math is correct, reconciled or reconciliation is used. In verse 18, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I believe that's what the verse in Matthew is about. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. They are entering into the ministry of Christ by sharing with others what he did to them. That is, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I don't know if you've ever run into this idea that, you know, Jesus is okay, but his father, whoa, whoa, uh, no, not him. But God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. They're the same in purpose. They are the same in purpose. God the Father loves us so much, the Bible says, he sent his only begotten son. If you have learned to love Jesus, you are learning to love the Father at the same time. Jesus would even say at the Last Supper that if you had seen him, you have seen the Father. They're the same in purpose. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel in action. Jesus comes into your heart and you're excited, you're thrilled about it, and you become an ambassador of his by sharing that gospel experience with someone else. But let's take this verse very carefully. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you, be reconciled with God. This week, had a gentleman ask me a question, penetrating question. He said, Jerry, do you think we're in the end? It's a great question. I mean, you look around, and this world's different from two years ago. And I said, it sure feels like it. It sure feels like it. And then I shared with him those statistics about Hitler 
in 12 years. Look at all that happened in just 12 years. You think things can happen rapidly? Yes, they can. Very rapidly. And my appeal to you is this, folks. There is a bus. It's right here. There's a bus. Its destination is heaven. And I have a ticket for you. His name is Jesus Christ. Take the ticket. Get on the bus and be reconciled with God. It's my appeal to you. If you refuse that ticket, it's on you, man. It's on you. You will answer for that rebellious act in the day of judgment. It goes on to say, verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The most perfect, beautiful, powerful, wonderful trade ever in the history of God's universe. Jesus took our sins upon himself and he gave us his righteousness. And as we accept Jesus as our savior, God sees us as his son, not as the sinner that we are. You don't need to worry about being saved when the Lord comes. You just need to worry about getting saved now and walking with the Lord. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, a very familiar verse. You will recognize it immediately. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We as sinners have a death sentence hanging over us. I'm not talking about losing your, your uh, life and being buried here. I'm talking about an eternal destiny. You do not want that eternity. You want the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. All of us have this sentence of death upon us until we accept Jesus as our Savior, then we have the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 as I continue this appeal, this hope in my heart that everyone here would take the ticket and get on the bus. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? How, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How can we say to the Lord, Yeah, I didn't care about what you did at Calvary. How can you say that? How can we escape? the death that is ours if we neglect so great a salvation. Joshua pulled the hammer back and it went click. He was looking down at this lifeless form of a chicken. Its head was over just barely breathing. 
The minute that shotgun clicked, the chicken raised its head. Started looking around. Within a few minutes, it was walking around on the ground, pecking for food. My son often says profound things. He said, Dad, I've heard of things being scared to death, but I've never heard of anything being scared to life. <laughs> That's the gospel. I hope, like everything, you've been scared to life today. That you will take this seriously. You will let Jesus be your Savior. You will invite him into your heart and let that holy peacemaker bring peace within your heart and peace with God. And especially peace from the guilt and the sin that bothers us. So I wonder if there's anyone here today who would like to say to the Lord, I'm in. I want the ticket. I'm getting on the bus. I'm going to stay on that bus till we arrive in heaven. If you want to say that to God, I invite you to stand. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus, the eternal peacemaker. Lord, I pray everyone here will be scared into life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing as we have our closing song. that Jesus will soon return. May we all be found ready to meet him in peace when he appears. Father in heaven, I pray for these dear, dear people. I pray that you will continue watching over them and their families. And I pray that your presence would be so real to them that their faith in you would be great. 
I'm also asking that you will hear their prayers and answer those prayers according to your will. We are all praying that you will save our children, our family members, our loved ones, and our friends. Lord, we thank you, and we pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless, and go in peace.